Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Fantastic. You know, I love that invitation to receive Jesus as your Lord, even to our kids. Uh, I remember, so I'm going to go off for a little bit here. I I remember being a little kid. I was probably four. And uh, I remember uh, my babysitter at the time, Mrs. Wallace. And this is when my family and I lived in Idaho Falls. Mrs. Wallace told me about Jesus coming to live in my heart. And I went into her backyard one day because she probably told me to leave because she was tired of me. But I remember leaning against a tree and inviting Jesus into my heart in in Mrs. Wallace's backyard. So when our our children's ministry is inviting children to trust in the Lord, the, the implications there could be generational. So I love that. So thank you, ladies. Well done. We continue now in our Advent series, and we're looking at the birth of Christ through... Uh, the lens of the characters in the Christmas narrative. Last week, Pastor Bill talked about the shepherds. This week, we're talking about Mary. What did this look like for a young woman named Mary? So I'm going to read our text today. This is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So hear now the word of the Lord to you and to me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever wondered why Mary? Have you ever wondered what it would have been like to be Mary? And this angel visits you and you, you have this encounter. And you sit there after it's done in the, in, the, in the stillness, in the dark, and you wonder why me? Someone, in terms of experience, someone older would have been a better pick, probably. Now, I can't think of this story right now without thinking of my own daughter, Ava. Ava is 13. And the reason that uh, she comes to mind here is because 
Women, uh, young women in, in this time, in this uh, part of Palestine, were married, were betrothed to men at around 12, 13 years of age. And so I'm thinking of like my daughter right now. I'm thinking of Ava, who loves to dance in her room, who, who's figuring out what it's like to be a young woman, who's figuring out boys, although she doesn't like boys, right? And so I'm sure that this would have come as a shock to Mary. Why me? Somebody about Ava's age. Now, how much experience, really, does a young teenager have? I mean, every parent, right? We all know that our kids think they know everything, but caring for God incarnate as he grows up should have probably been left up to someone with a little more life experience, right? Somebody maybe with a little more wisdom. Why Mary? In terms of significance and learning, someone from Jerusalem, I think, would have been a better choice. Jerusalem, you see, was the center of worship on the earth. It was the center of the world for the Jews. Nazareth, right? Remember, this is where Mary is. She's in a little place called Nazareth. Nazareth is not even listed in the Old Testament. If you weren't from the area, you didn't know where Nazareth was. Outside of the New Testament, it's not even mentioned in writing until 200 years after Jesus. Nazareth is small. It's of no real importance. Now remember, uh, Philip, right? He's telling Nathaniel about this guy named Jesus, and Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's like waiting for like, the most important person to show up and, and you're looking toward Seattle or Bellevue or like downtown Tacoma and somebody comes from Roy. <laughs> no offense if you're watching from Roy. Thank you for tuning in. What about somebody more devout? Mary. What about somebody who's actually accomplished something in life, something noble? What about somebody popular? We're talking about the Son of God. Shouldn't God's earthly mother have been somebody who made history, somebody who had an impact? Why didn't God choose a leader or a real go-getter or a bona fide difference maker? Why did God choose a young girl from a small town with no noteworthy accomplishments other than being there. Because this is, God do, this is what God does with his grace. All we know about Mary is that she's a virgin from Nazareth, betrothed to a man named Joseph, and the angel of the Lord said to this unaccomplished young woman, greetings, you, did you catch this? You who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Greek word here uh, for this phrase, the Greek phrase here, you who are highly favored, has its root in this word, grace. You who are barely just getting by, you who have maybe wondered for a lifetime, church, listen, if you will be remembered for anything worthwhile. You with little experience, you with marginal significance, you who feel unknown. You see, there are champions on this end. There are losers. And somewhere in this continuum, you find yourself. Listen. Listen to who, whom God's grace 
descends upon. You, who are highly favored by God, and the Lord is with you. You see, this is a story about grace. God freely dispenses his grace. And the great news about this, friends, is there's nothing you or I can do to earn it. Grace is not given to only the best among us. It's not a reward for the most noble or the most accomplished. It's not given to the winners. The same grace you see that's given to Mary is the same grace that was given to the criminal who died next to Jesus on the cross. It's the same grace freely given to you and to me through Jesus Christ. This is what God does. We read about this in the story of God's plan of salvation. Abraham, he was just a dude. His name was Abram. And God said, you, I will choose you. What do we know about Abram? Nothing. And yet God chose him. Moses, if you know the story about Moses, he's a record. He, he had a record. He was on the run. Grace. Why did God choose Moses? This is what God does with his grace. You. Mary. She was just there. Young and unaccomplished. And God reached down and said, You. Church, you, freely given to you, because that's what the author of grace does. You. I love the response to this. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this what kind of greeting this might be. Now there's lots of reasons that Mary could have been greatly troubled at his words. Every time an angel shows up, people freak out in the Bible. One because where did this thing come from? And number two because they look terrifying. The Bible describes what angels look like in Isaiah, and they've got wings everywhere. Some of them have heads that are different. They're freaky. And so when people see an angel, they freak out. But, but the text says Mary was troubled at his words. Mary was troubled at his words of grace. What if, what if Mary thought this? What if Mary thought God's grace is given to me? It's probably only going to be a matter of time before they figure me out. You see, God's grace can be troubling if you don't feel like you've done enough to earn God's grace. Me? Gabriel, are you at the right house? I'm just normal. I haven't done anything, Gabriel. Which means, listen, someone's going to figure me out and reveal me to be the nobody that I already know that I am. And when they do that, everybody's going to know that I am not worthy of God's grace. And I want to pause here for a second. Because we reinforce the notion that you better be good to earn a charis, a grace. That's the, the Greek for grace, a gift. We better be good to earn a gift. And we reinforce this more during this time of the year than we do any other time of the year. And it feels so normal when we do it. Listen, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town, right? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out what? Who's naughty or nice? 
We're all hosed in this scenario here. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Listen, he knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And when you are good for goodness sake, then you get a reward. And if that's not enough, there's a swarm of narcs planted in almost every home with kids. And, and this happened in the last couple of years. And I don't know what your elf on the shelf does the rest of the year, but I do know that ours has not grasped the concept of grace yet because they have to, the nerve to watch our kids every move and then at night they magically narc them out to Santa Claus if they've ever had a bad day and I'm so tired of that. I'm done, I'm done reinforcing that if you're good, God will grant you grace and when you're bad, he withholds it. Listen, Romans 6.23, Paul writes, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This free gift of God for the sinner, for the nobody, for the unaccomplished, for the exhausted, for a young lady in Nazareth, for you. Brennan Manning has written a, fa a fabulous book. It's called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And I want to read an excerpt from this. This is from this book. This talks about grace. So Brendan Manning writes this, Because salvation is by grace through faith, I believe that among the countless number of people standing in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb, dressed in white robes and holding palms in their hands, he's, he's referring to Revelation chapter 7. In this throng of people standing before the Lord, I shall see the prostitute from the Kit Kat Ranch in Carson City, Nevada, who tearfully told me she could find no other employment to support her two-year-old son. I shall see the woman who had an abortion and is haunted by guilt and remorse, but did the best she could faced with grueling alternatives. The businessman besieged with debt who sold his integrity in a series of desperate transactions, the insecure clergyman addicted to being liked, who never challenged his people from the pulpit and longed for unconditional love. In that throng is the sexually abused teen, molested by his father and now selling his body on the street, who, as he falls asleep each night after his last trick, whispers the name of the unknown God he learned about in Sunday school. The deathbed convert who for decades had his cake and ate it, broke every law of God and man, wallowed in lust and raped the earth. But how, we ask. How are these people allowed there? Then the voice says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. There they are. There we are. The multitude who so wanted to be faithful, who at times got defeated, soiled by life and bested by trials, wearing the bloody garments of life's tribulations, but through it all clung to the faith. My friends, writes Brennan Manning, my friends, if this is not good news to you, you have never understood the gospel of grace. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is loaded with Old Testament meaning. Everything that the Old Testament has been proclaiming is coming to a head here. It's loaded, and the entire Old Testament is coming to fruition. Probably too much for Mary to process in this moment, so Mary addresses what she can only comprehend. How? I'm a virgin. Here's where it gets real for Mary. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and and, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Unaccomplished young woman in an out-of-the-way town. She's a virgin. She's betrothed to Joseph, and she's got a story to tell now. Okay, Joseph, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you, but you need to know that I'm on a mission from God. And I know this may sound odd, Joseph. It may bring you dishonor, Joseph, but I'm pregnant. We're going to talk about Joseph next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Mom and dad, you are not going to believe this, but I'm pregnant. And Joseph had nothing to do with it. I was overshadowed, you see, by the Holy Spirit, I swear. Okay, Nazareth, neighbors, and you got to know Nazareth was small. Everybody knew everybody's business. Listen, neighbors, nobody's going to believe this, but you got to trust me here. An angel of the Lord visited me Joseph had nothing to do with this. I'm sure he, sometime, but not yet. You see, it was the Holy Spirit. Little Jewish law here about young women, women uh, becoming pregnant before they were married. Deuteronomy 22. But if the thing is true, that evidence of virginity was not found in the young woman, Then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done an outrageous thing in Israel by whoring in her father's house, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. You guys aren't going to believe what happened to me, but you see, the angel of the Lord came, and he told me what God is going to do. Honest, I swear. So let's get this straight. God moves. And Mary is now faced with a situation that nobody around her will believe, and it's going to cost her dearly. Rumors, potential capital punishment, speculations, side glances, wearing the title of that adulteress, coming from that family. They would be made fun of, ostracized, examined, and called names. Her word would be nothing, would mean nothing. Okay, Mary, you tell me that the the Son of the Most High is going to come through you, right? You were visited by an angel. Sure, Mary, you, you're just a girl, and this is Nazareth. Nazareth. Mary, enough of this story. The son of the Most High and you, why don't you just admit your infidelity and live in shame and the rest of us can go on with our lives? But Mary doesn't do that. You see why? Mary sees past the fear. She trusts. 
She sees past the hate and she trusts. She recognized that God's grace was enough for her. And in response, she said this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. But look, the reason we're talking about Mary today isn't because of Mary's personality or her accomplishments or how she weathered this time that was difficult for her. We're talking about Mary today because God's grace fell upon an ordinary person in an ordinary town. Listen, and because of her obedience, the extraordinary happened. We're talking about Mary today because God does the extraordinary through the ordinary. And when we are obedient, God's will be done. Mary's story, you see, is the blueprint of obedience. Grace is received and then obedience is given. Grace and obedience. God moves, we obey. That's our blueprint, friends. That's our story. God moves, we obey. God's grace is given to you. Our response is to trust and obey. So why Mary? Why not Mary? This is what grace looks like. Why not you? Our next step, you see, is obedience. So a couple takeaways from from our text today. One, don't be troubled by God's grace, friends. You see, your faith and your steadfastness are of much greater importance to God than your successes and your failures. We, we, we complicate grace. We think we've got to earn it. We think we've got to be fantastic to do it, but God does not work that way. Receive it. Thank God for it. You can't earn it, so you might as well take it when God gives it. Because of Jesus, you are highly favored by God. Grace is given. Our obedience comes next. And if you've received God's free gift of grace through Jesus Christ, obedience, church, is a non-negotiable. No matter how hard it seems, no matter what the rest of the world is going to look at you and say, just like Mary experienced, God's grace is received, obedience is given, no matter the cost or lack of details. And friends, if you're watching here or you're present today and you have not received God's free gift of grace in Jesus Christ, I have this gentle pastoral response for you. Do it! What are you waiting for? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, wrote the Apostle Paul, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're watching today and you're wondering, what do I have to do to earn God's favor? What do I have to do to have a mark? Our text tells us today that all we do is we say, yes, Lord. Come into my life and make me new. Receive God's gift of grace through Jesus Christ. The next step is to trust and obey. Let's join now in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen people like Mary, people like us, 
to do extraordinary things. And we don't do these, Lord, through our means or our wills, but God, because of the Holy Spirit, you have given, and Lord, we trust you. So God, I pray for this word to be received today. I I pray for eternities to be changed today. I pray for the church to be challenged in the way we accept and see grace. Lord, thank you for coming to us. Thank you for redeeming us, God, through Jesus Christ. Lord, it has been a tough year. And I know that there are folks here who are watching. There are folks present today that are just exhausted. Lord, will your, will your power, will your Holy Spirit rest upon us? Thank you for your grace, Lord. Help us to trust you and obey. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Pastor Bill. Thank you again for listening to the Lake of Grace podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewithgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or even fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.